Hello, and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik. I, too, am a parent of a child with a disability, and let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. On this podcast, we talk about everything from receiving a new diagnosis to transitioning your older child out of school and beyond. This podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. This week, I'm going to discuss a topic that has caught many of us parents off guard, special education. So let's say somebody, maybe it's a teacher, your child's pediatrician, or a concerned friend has just suggested that your child may need special education. You freeze. Maybe this has never occurred to you and you think, what does that even mean? Or maybe it had occurred to you, but this is the first time someone else has brought it up. Or maybe you have these awful memories of what special education classes looked like from your childhood. In your head, you see visions of dim classrooms with students doing um, not a whole lot. But be assured, the special education of today is not the special education classrooms from a generation ago. A common misconception is that special education is a type of classroom, but it is not. At its core, it's a set of professional services and specialized teaching that focuses on the unique needs of your child. So what does that mean exactly? Well, I'm going to break down special education for you into the five W's. Why, what, who, when, and where. And then I'll explain the how or what the process looks like to receive special education. Finally, I'll briefly explain some rights and give you some advocacy tips. Also, special education is commonly referred to as special ed or SPED, so throughout this episode, you may hear me use those terms. Get you a drink, grab a seat, and listen along as I give you a crash course in special education and how to navigate it. First up, I want to talk about why special ed is needed and why it's important. The whole point of special ed is to give children with disabilities extra support so they can learn in school just like their typically developing peers. If a child's disability prevents them from learning, specialized instruction can help by using proven teaching strategies that match the disability. For example, a child that is struggling to learn to read may work with a reading interventionist one-on-one or in a small group. They will use teaching techniques that have been designed for students with reading disabilities. Also, focus therapies like speech, motor coordination, behavior, and social skills can help a child build on some of these skills that they may be behind on, skills that are essential for learning. So what is special education? Again, special education means specialized teaching and related services to help children with disabilities make progress in school. Related services are things like speech therapy, occupational therapy, modified physical education, or even social-emotional behavior support services like counseling. Now, who qualifies for special education? To qualify for special ed, a child must have a disability that affects their ability to learn in school. This can be a developmental disability, like autism or ADHD, a learning disability, like dyslexia or dysgraphia, or a physical disability, like being blind. So let's talk about when special education services might start. Schools that use public funds are required by law to provide special ed services to all children who qualify, starting at the age of three and continuing through the age of 21 or when they finish high school, whichever comes first. This means that your child can get services before they enter kindergarten, and these services can continue past a traditional graduation age of 18 if your child needs support for longer. 
Now, I want to take a second here to say that charter schools receive public funds, so they are required to provide special ed services. Private and independent schools, though, are funded differently, so services can look different if your child attends one of those types of schools. Where does special education services take place? This question is a little bit more complicated than it may seem. By law, special ed is required to happen in the least restrictive environment that meets the student's needs. This means that a child should spend as much time in the general education classroom as possible. They may be pulled out to work with specialists at some points during the week, or they may even spend a part of their day in a specialized classroom. The goal, though, is to have children with disabilities with their non-disabled peers for as much time of the day as possible. Now, I'd like to give you a real-life example of what this may look like. My son is in second grade. His day usually starts with meeting his special ed teacher for some time in the morning. They go over the day, and they work on some of his social and emotional needs. And then at the end of the day, they come back together, they recap his day, and they talk about any issues that may have come up. And then he also has time with her throughout the day to work on classwork that may be triggering for him. The rest of the time, though, he is in a general ed classroom. In addition to this time, he meets with a school mental health professional once a week to work on emotional and behavioral needs. For some children, a specialized classroom may be the only way to give them enough individual attention. In this case, that would be the least restrictive environment that meets their needs. But even a child in a specialized classroom should have lunch, recess, or as many other activities with non-disabled peers as possible. Next, I want to get into the how. I want to give you an overview of how the special education process may look. Now, what I'm about to describe is geared towards Louisiana because that's where I live. But this process should be very similar no matter where you are since special ed is driven by the federal law IDEA. Another quick reminder, this process is for children ages 3 to 21 that are already in school, about to start school, or transitioning from early intervention to the school system. Last week, I did an episode on that transition process, so go check it out if you haven't already. The first step is a referral for special education. If a parent, teacher, or healthcare provider is concerned for any reason and thinks that a child may have a developmental, learning, or physical disability, they can ask the school district for an evaluation. The school is then legally required to do the evaluation. The school or school district will schedule an evaluation, which includes a variety of different tests depending on the child's needs information from the parents, and observations of your child. And depending on your child, they may even interview them and ask about their experiences at school. The results will say whether the child qualifies, and if so, what services they may need. To qualify for special ed services, a child's disability or delay has to affect their ability to learn and function in school. If your child does not qualify for special ed, you have a legal right to disagree and ask for another evaluation. If the evaluation finds that your child qualifies, the school will schedule a meeting to set up an individualized education program, commonly called an IEP. This is a legal document that describes your child's goals and the services the school will provide to help them meet those goals. As parents and guardians, along with teachers and other school professionals, you are a part of the IEP team. The team works together to develop the IEP. Now, each IEP is unique and is written for the individual child. The IEP is reviewed at least once a year, but you can always ask for an IEP meeting at any time if you have any concerns. As a parent, let me just say that these meetings can be emotional, especially for the first couple. You can always bring somebody into an IEP for moral support, like a spouse, a close friend, 
or a fellow parent that has done this before. Just let the IEP team know that you'll be bringing someone with you. Now, I want to take a quick moment here to give you five tips to remember before an IEP meeting. Number one, if English is not your first language, you can ask for an interpreter, even if you've had meetings in the past where you did not have an interpreter. It's your legal right. Number two, take breaks during the meeting if you need. Number three, ask questions if you don't understand something being discussed. A lot of jargon and acronyms get thrown around in these meetings, and you don't need to pretend like you understand all of it. Number four, you don't have to sign anything on the spot. If you need more time to ask questions or talk with somebody else about the IEP outside of the meeting, you can. Five, last but not least, try to keep an open mind and be open to discussing different opinions about what may work best for your child. Again, I know this isn't easy, but working together for your child's best interest is what matters at the end of the day. Once the IEP is in place, the next step is to start services and monitor progress. Your child will get the services that are written into the IEP. Parents should keep in contact with the teacher and the IEP team and ask questions as they arise. You'll also want to make sure the services are happening. If you're not satisfied with your child's progress, ask for a meeting. Remember, asking to meet anytime is another legal right. <sighs> now let's move on to some important stuff. Did you notice how many times I said legal rights? You have rights and the school has responsibilities. These rights and responsibilities are guaranteed by the federal law called the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA. One of the best ways that you can help your child get the school services they need is to know these rights and responsibilities and advocate for them. I want to give you a few examples of the rights you and your child have. First, you have a right to an evaluation. This is free for families. Sometimes the school may even tell you that they don't think your child needs an evaluation, but you have the right to make that decision. You have the right to ask for a team meeting anytime. You have the right to have all written and spoken information in your preferred language. You have the right to have meetings at a time and date that works for you. The school will usually send you a letter telling you the time and date of the meeting, but if it doesn't work for you, you can request to change it. Your child has a right to get all the services listed in the IEP. The school's responsibilities are to comply with all the things that I just mentioned. Now, of course, once you know your rights, you may still have to advocate for them. This is not always easy. Nobody wants to be the squeaky wheel, but sometimes that's what you'll need to be. Lastly, I want to leave you with five tips to help you be a good advocate for your child. Number one, start with the assumption that everyone's goal is to help your child. Keep your child's needs at the heart of everything. Number two, stay involved. Know what's happening in your child's classroom and with their special ed services. Number three, be calm but firm. Fall back on the law if needed. This helps make it a little less personal and emotional. Number four, keep records of all your communications with the school. Use them to keep the school accountable for doing what they say they're going to do. Number five, know the chain of command and who to talk to about your concerns. If you have complaints and nothing is changing, learn about the dispute resolution process. The bottom line is this. You don't need to be afraid of special education. Its purpose is to help your child, and you will be involved in the process the whole way. School is hard enough without having a disability. With special ed services, your child can get the support that they need to learn and feel good about themselves. This podcast was written by Julie McKinney and presented by me, Christina Kozik, for Exceptional Lives. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, 
www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website also has blogs, guides, upcoming events, and a resource directory for Massachusetts and Louisiana. We'd love for you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Exceptional Lives. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.